Welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast, where we discuss business solutions to help listeners develop and implement action plans for true lean process improvement. I am your host, Patrick Adams. Hello and welcome to the Lean Solutions Podcast. My guest today is Chad Bereither. Chad quickly found his passion for continuous improvement as a quality engineer. Now with years of experience as an internal change agent for larger organizations, including three Fortune 500 companies, by the way, he takes that operational excellence mindset beyond the shop floor. As the owner and principal consultant of Bereither Group Consulting, he enables continuous improvement through the application of Lean and Six Sigma methodologies. I first met Chad at the MLC uh, annual conference, uh, the Michigan Lean Consortium annual conference up in Traverse City, Michigan. This was last year. So uh, he was actually, this This is, we can kind of say, Chad, that this is your, your second time on the show because I, I had a small interview with you while we were at the Lean conference, but welcome to the show. Welcome back. Oh, thanks a lot. It's great to be back. Absolutely. And and so I did also hear that you you are going to be speaking at this this year's annual conference for the Michigan Lean Consortium. Is that correct? Yeah, great. Uh, great opportunity. They asked me if I'd be willing to lead one of the active learning sessions. So I'll be doing one of the breakouts uh, during this year's conference. Nice. What do you know what you'll be speaking on yet? So I, I'd say generally leader standard work, but really I think it ties into um, some of our conversation today is really talking not so much about the tactical application, but more systemically, like what is leader standard work and how does it help sustain improvement? Mm, yeah, I love that. It's such an important concept uh, for so many organizations that unfortunately is is not taken as serious as it, as it should be, right? Um, for, for those who are listening in that maybe uh, are meeting you for the first time, uh, you know, kind of e-meeting e, e or virtual meeting, um, what's your approach on continuous improvement, Chad? What, what, what is continuous improvement in, in your mind and, and how would you explain it to, you know, some of our listeners? Yeah. Um, so I, I think we can start off with kind of what it's not, like what is not continuous improvement and it, it not, it's not, or it shouldn't be just a program, like a bolt on program, right. Or a department, this group is in charge of continuous improvement. Uh, it is both a philosophy and a methodology, right? So what we're looking for in continuous improvement is both a structured way to manage the business and then actually make changes or improvements to optimize processes, products, and services that you deliver. Um, what we want to, whether you cut your teeth in Lean or Six Sigma, ultimately what we're trying to do is identify like systemic changes we can make that are going to either reduce variability so we're more consistent or eliminate waste in delivering that service mm. so ultimately what that does for your business is it makes it more predictable for you as a leader and more successful you know depending upon which metrics you want to look at there sure so we, we do need this this common thinking way and then what continuous improvement also helps with to to build some of that muscle me muscle memory is like common tools that are promoting the involvement of of all the employees mm -hmm. uh, that are and that continuous portion right is really implying that it's never ending not, not in the context of like a death march but in the in the the sense that it's both that first step of transforming how we run the business to achieve our goals and then putting something in place to sustain that in the long term 
Absolutely. Uh, great, great definition of continuous improvement. Uh, and would you say that continuous improvement, you know, does it work best in certain industries or with certain people or um, is it universal? I mean, what, what would be your, your thought on that? Yeah, so I, I've been fortunate enough to work in uh, six different industries applying this and in the approach that I take. So it's transferable across industry. Um, I think the individual client or practitioner or leader is really what, who brings the, the industry knowledge or their business and process knowledge. The, the philosophy and the systems are transferable. You know, we were talking a little bit before we hit record about, you know, Japan and their culture and Toyota. And so like, there's a good fit there, right? So the, the continuous improvement culture might not look identical. You can't just cut and paste Toyota and, and put it into a different organization because the, there's a cultural mismatch. So it may look a little different, but the concepts and the principles are definitely transferable. Yeah, so true. Uh, and since you brought it up, uh, you, you were just in Japan recently, right? You, you took a trip out there with your family? Yeah, so it was a it was a um, a leisure trip, right? So we were there, took our our kids there for um, a vacation. Uh, great experience. They uh, saw some of the uh, what do you want to say? A little bit of uh, culture shock and experience of a very very different culture. Um, but it was uh, a wonderful experience for all of us. Absolutely. So, what would you say? Uh, what were some ahas? You know, when you when you think about you're talking about culture, you think about the, the the Japanese culture and and you know why that helped Toyota, you know, be such a, you know so successful in in the work that they were doing uh, and and are doing. Um, how do you think that, or what what things did you see in the culture that you think maybe were a part of that or are a part of that? Yeah, I'll try to make it brief, but I, I learned a lot there. If, if you yeah. do like a Gallup Strength Finder, like learning is my number one. So I was excited to, to learn all of this stuff, both about history and culture. And so if, if you go way back, um, there was a there was a period of time when um, Imperial Japan like closed its borders. So like the first Christian missionaries come there and and they shut their borders down to kind of keep some of that that out. And when they're isolated, they developed a lot of unique uh, cultural elements, but they also became very um, congealed in terms of like one family, if you will. Uh, mm. And I even was talking to one of our tour guides who was a, a retired chemical engineer, and, and he talked about how the, the culture there is 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 very much like a um, like a community culture. If you that old adage of like it takes a village to raise a child is saying even in training children like how to behave, he says it's not uncommon to see a stranger, an older uh, Japanese uh, individual that would like dress down an individual on, you know, like scold a child on the subway for misbehaving. And mm -hmm. so that kind of like cultural um, uh, similarity, right? They have common ideals and common thoughts is one thing that I noticed. So there's like kind of this uh, group dynamic that's really powerful. And also just the affinity for process. Like everywhere we look, uh, I remember watching the uh, train conductor come through when we were taking one of the bullet trains and coming through and doing the safety check and like comes stops it in between the cars and there were clearly as i watched five things he was supposed to check out hmm. on his checklist and you see him and he goes and he points at and looks and points at and looks 
and points at it and looks because that's how he was taught to do it. And that's, oh. and there's probably a reason behind it. And it's important to do it that way. And I was just thinking, I don't know that you would see the same response. You would probably see step in the car, quick glance at five areas, move on. Mm-hmm. It was little things like that that I saw that says there's a lot of pride in the process, not just the job that you see there. And and beyond that, this more community cultural adaptation that I think really helped the way the Toyota production system was designed thrive there. Powerful. I'm excited. As you know, I'll be I'll be heading to Japan in May with Katie Anderson and, and her group. So I'm looking forward to uh, witnessing some of the same uh, same, same, uh, elements of the culture and, and hopefully, you know, we can connect it after and maybe, uh, exchange stories and, and other things that we we've seen and learned. So, yeah, that'll be great. Absolutely. So I just, you're coming back to the, the conversation that we started with around, uh, continuous improvement. Um, would you say that continue the, the continuous improvement mindset is anchored more in the hard skills, such as like the tools, the systems, or would you say that a continuous improvement mindset is more anchored in the soft skills, like mm-hmm. you know, behavior, thinking, that type of thing? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think yes. <laughs> um, uh, if I think about tools, um, so my father grew up in central Illinois in like farmland, and he kind of had a foot in two worlds. Like his, his father, my grandfather was a, a, a college educated professor and his uncle still ran the family farm. So he spent a lot of time of his youth kind of with his grandfather on the farm. So he learned to do quite a bit with his hands. And from firsthand experience, he definitely knew how to use a hammer, right? If you think one of the most basic tools, if we're using the, the literal term tool here, right. and you might say everyone knows knows how to use a hammer. And I think that's true. Most people understand what a hammer is supposed to do. But if you've seen someone who's proficient, like a carpenter, like that knows how to set a nail, use the proper grip, the proper strike, you can you can definitely tell a difference of who knows how to use that tool. Mm. And I remember uh, building a barn on my parents' property with my dad when I was in uh, like middle school, and watching him drive like sixteen penny nails with two or three strikes. Yeah, like, clearly very proficient in using the tool. So you can get really good at driving nails, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can build a house, right? So I can use the tool individually. So the tool is important of building those hard skills through uh, muscle memory and repetition, but thinking behind it, the behavior that, as you mentioned, is what's important. So I still need a blueprint. I still need a build sequence or a process. And then, so kind of bringing all this together is where you need, I need the tool use and the plan to get the end result that I want. You know, mm-hmm. so continuous improvement is the same way of that analogy. So I say yes to both because without the thinking and the behavior, you know, what I have seen in some organizations is is lean or continuous improvement is just a lot of pounding nails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. And I, I love the analogy that you used, uh, uh, you know, uh, of the hammer that makes makes so much sense in the house and. Uh, so, and obviously, and you, you've had a lot of experience with this and working with different companies. Uh, what do you, what do you think is the, uh, the, the greatest challenge that companies have when they are only focused on, let's just say the hard skills or the, the tools and they, and they don't take into consideration that those soft skills, the behavior, the thinking, but they just say, you know, here's five tools that Toyota used, apply mm-hmm. them and mm-hmm. let's become lean. What, what challenges do you think come with that? 
Well, one thing that's a challenge is why. So I have seen organizations and been in an organization at, at uh, one manufacturing site specifically where they said, we're going to deploy, say, 5S. And maybe you've experienced, we're going to 5S the shop floor. Mm -hmm. Now, if we don't have a good understanding of why, why are we doing that to clean it up and make it look better? Is there a performance metric that we're trying to go for? Are we trying to establish a stand? Like, but if we're just driving right at the tools, I think we're losing a lot of the workforce in why we're doing this at all. So not understanding why and connecting back to, I'm using, you're asking me to do my job differently, but I don't understand what that's supposed to gain for me, I think is one thing that we lose. The other thing is kind of this um, uh, point optimization, right? So I, I can get really good. I can throw tools at different problems um, you know, whether we use a production environment or, or whether you use like service delivery, I can make certain things scheduling of service delivery. I don't know, maybe something people are, are is painful, like you're going to get your, your cable or internet service. Like I can get really good at scheduling, but I can't get people there on time because they can't transact the work when they're on the residence. Like it doesn't help me that I'm point optimized versus value stream optimized. Not, I try not to throw too many buzzwords in there, but yeah. Another thing, if we're just tools, 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 is we're not thinking about a broader picture of like, okay, where do we need to improve? It might not be required that everyone improve because just like a simple like workload balance chart is like, if I get faster at my fastest step, I'm just creating a lot more waiting. Mm -hmm. Sure. Makes sense. Uh, so if if someone's listening in and they and they want to do it right they 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 you know or maybe they have tried and they and they and they you know maybe went down the wrong road and just said hey let's let's apply these five tools and they and they've had some significant challenges with that what what would be your suggestion around you know how does an organization get started or how would a team how would a leader you know even within their own area you know how would they get started with continuous improvement what would be the right steps uh from the beginning yeah, so I'd say the right first step is understanding your why. So whether you are the leader of a small to medium business or you're a leadership team and maybe a medium to large business of why are we even doing continuous improvement? What are we trying to accomplish? So there could be some sort of market change like a threat of competition or a change in demand, an external influence like a, a new regulation or a technology change, or, or maybe your business is growing Right, so you're trying to step, you need to step into more of a leadership role in a, a tactical transaction. And you don't know how to create that stability, so you're still making all the decisions. Like your, your team, not just you, needs to see continuous improvement as a change in the way we're gonna run the business, right? A system to manage my business, not something in addition to. Mm -hmm. So when you said up front, like it's not a program. It, it's not just this bolt down of like, through osmosis, we're gonna become more improved because Right. We do CI some of the time. So a great place to align is even going back, you know, we talked about soft and hard skills is kind of like your mission, vision and values of like, so what are you trying to accomplish? And then say, let's tie that to a goal and say, CI is going to help us get there. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then maybe then maybe the tools make sense. Then maybe 5S makes sense because we say to get where we're trying to go, we need to free up some cash flow. We've noticed we have a lot of work in process inventory. This is the tool we're going to deploy. This is how we're going to measure success. Now, if I'm the leadership team, I understand, okay, we're going in this direction to invest in new product offerings. We need to free up cash flow. This is the tool we're using to get there. 
Yeah. And now I can also understand, so how are you going to measure success on the floor? I'm not going to measure success in terms of is everything where it's supposed to be in the tape? Because that's gets a little bit clouded. The most dangerous phrase in our language is we've always done it this way. There are an awful lot of posers out there. People that do lean because they're mandated to do it. They think it will work. How stable are you today? What are your goals? Are you generating small, simple improvements? There are very few people that embrace lean with their full heart, head, and emotion. Let's imagine that your current output is top-notch. Is that enough to stop innovating and stop reaching for more? Patrick's book uncovers the essence of what those organizations look like and what the posers look like. Caution, are you in the fake zone or the real zone? Order your copy today at avoidcontinuousappearance.com. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and and you know what you're what you're alluding to is really um obviously the why, like you said, but also identifying the problem that you're trying to solve before de deploying tools just because someone said that they were the right tools. Well, are they the right tools for your mm -hmm. team, for your company, for your industry? Maybe, but maybe not, right? I mean, uh, it depends on the problem that you're trying to solve. Uh, so th that kind of goes back to your why, right? Agreed. And so whether we say problem or goal, right? So what do we want to yeah. accomplish? All right, because problems can be a little bit further down the tree about saying, if, if goal is something at a high level, like we, we have, you know, um, Alcoa did this with safety, right? Um, that was the top level goal and that kind of permeated down to our, our goal was zero lost time incidents. Um, mm -hmm. So you could be at a high level and that's the goal that we want to accomplish. Then the changes that you make, the, the individual problems, as you mentioned, that you're solving could be lower in the organization. But now it makes sense. I'm doing this tool to solve this problem because that's the goal that we want to achieve. So right. kind of starting off with my vision and a, and a short-term goal that we're trying to accomplish. Now, some of the changes you're asking to make to the business, you can tie back to, we're changing this because that's what we want to accomplish. Right. Now, I will say, I do see many organizations who start out on their, on their lean journey, their continuous improvement journey, that do start with some foundational lean tools that you see from back from Toyota, like 5S, standard work, um, you know, there's certain things. Now, the reason behind that, that, why that does make sense for many companies is because you can't improve chaos, right? Yeah. And so by having an organized, clean, uh, you know, well-lit work area, by having good standard work in place, these are things that help create stability um, and stabilize the operation so that you can then start to develop some uh, improvements on top of that. Um, so I think that, you know, for many organizations, they go, oh, well, you know, we always start with, we always have to start with 5S. Yeah, it's, there's probably a good chance that that if you don't have, uh, you know, good, a good, well-organized, clean um, area that you can, you know, be efficient because you're not stepping over things and, and working around stuff that isn't necessary in the area. Yeah, that, that definitely mm -hmm. makes sense because that creates a level of stability. Are, do you, are there any other, you know, maybe foundational uh, items, tools, uh, systems, or, you know, things that you see maybe being the, the starting point for some organizations? Um, so, I mean, I've, I'm a 
big proponent of value stream mapping. Mm -hmm. um, and, and sometimes at a, at a macro level, if you will, just yeah. do we even understand um, how long it takes to get a product or deliver a service? Do we understand? Do we understand how much work we actually have in, in process? And sometimes that work can be measured in dollars. <laughs> so do we understand how, how long it takes us to get from customer order to delivered product or service? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. back, to, back to the question about tools, is like, why would we, we be working on the steps that aren't giving us the improvement? A recent client engagement I was on, they're, they're trying to um, dramatically, like over the next five years, six to 10x, depending upon the product variant, their capacity. And I, I look at where they're investing in some of the um, equipment upgrades, and I say, you don't need that upgrade. Like, this is your bottleneck over mm -hmm. here. Like we should be fix this first. Like you might need to fix that five years down the road, but like why are we investing in that right now? And it's they, there's there wasn't an, an awareness of what the capacity actually was and where they were losing some of that or getting some of the losses in that. So yeah, yeah uh, I think having the awareness so that you can prioritize and say we don't need to fix everything. We need to fix these two things. Absolutely. I like your I like your point about five S of stabilizing chaos. I still go back to why like what is the chaos preventing us from achieving sure absolutely yeah it makes sense um so so once someone gets started and they you know are you know off off and running on their continuous improvement journey which again like you said earlier is never ending it's continuous right but we also want to make sure that we're able to to sustain the 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 gain sustain some of the the benefits that are coming from um, this continuous improvement journey. Any recommendations to our listeners on how, you know, an organization that, you know, starts con continuous on their continuous improvement journey, how would they sustain some of the efforts that are being put in place? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, a challenge for a lot of organizations. I, I, I think maybe it helps again by analogy to look at a personal example. Like, um, I know, I know we're already in the second quarter, but let's say you were at your New Year's Eve party with friends and the ball drops, it's December 31st, 2022. And you're, let's just say 20 friends or family. Now, if you just look at statistics, about half of those people probably made some private or public resolution to either lose weight or get in shape. That's just okay. statistics. About half of the people, in the, since we're US based, make some sort of resolution, I wanna get in shape or lose weight. So that means 10 of those people there, less than two, one to maybe two of those friends will actually achieve their goal. The rest either give up on it or, or fail. Hiring a personal trainer actually shows to increase your odds by up to 50%. Hmm. So taking taking your success rate away from, from one to two friends to like six or seven friends. Wow. Why, why is that? Because they have a system. That's right. When you first meet with a trainer, they help you set goals. Right? because they're in sense, that's how they get paid. We want to help you achieve your goals. What do you want to accomplish? So you need to understand why. They understand what your current state is in terms of your diet and exercise. They change your process, right? They 5S or whatever you can say the, mm -hmm. the, is going on. They change your process. And then they hold you accountable to it. Mm -hmm. And then they also, if you think about PDCA, they don't just say, okay, great, we'll see you in a year, weekly or monthly. They're checking and adjusting your progress against your goals to see what do we need to change. So they have a system. The, the statistics in that example are striking uh, in their parallel to corporate environments where about two thirds of change initiatives fail. 
they fail to achieve their desired outcome. So they, they fall short of the goal. Having a system in place dramatically will improve those odds. Mm. So putting a business management system. So depending upon what you want that to look like, tiered huddles, um, review meetings, cascading metrics, right? Having a business management system in place to achieve your goals is the same thing that's going to help you sustain performance. So back to the analogy, if, if I achieved my fitness goals, I wouldn't say, okay, now I'm done. I'm going to go back to the way I was acting before. That's yeah. crazy. I'm just going to backslide, which a lot of organizations struggle with. The system, the cadence, the rigor that you go to achieve your goals, you need a system to, that stabilizes that over the longer. This now becomes how we run the business. That's right. That's right. And and you mentioned a little bit earlier about uh, leader standard work. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about how leaders can utilize uh, uh, their own leader standard work to help, um, you know, create some structure around that system that you're talking about? Mm -hmm. So um, in, in any company, we're delivering a product, a service, uh, information, potentially. There are processes that deliver that. And so we execute certain processes, they, they um, achieve or, or deliver our product service or information. Understanding what our critical processes are and where they tie to either you know, cost or quality or delivery lead time of that product or service is incumbent on leadership to know. So these are the critical processes that I need to check on. So then leader standard work is process confirming that those are operating. When we manage only by results, right? It's like driving down the road, looking in the rear view mirror. It's like mm -hmm. that already happened, right? If we have a poor quality rate, we, we already produced defects. If we miss the delivery date, we already missed the delivery date. I, I, we talked a little bit about this with that, the Japanese culture and an affinity for process, understanding the importance of process and reinforcing that with the leader below you and the leader below you and ultimately the frontline employee is the leader's job to understand the importance of process and how it ties back to the goal. And so then the leader standard work is, what is the cadence that I'm gonna go actually put my eyes on or hands on that critical process or process step to reinforce with the worker or the manager why it's important and whether or not it's being done correctly. Mm, powerful. And and there's uh, there's lots of different forms of leader standard work that are out there. So if anyone's interested, you know, you can literally Google leader standard work and you can see, you know, lots of different um, leader standard work that's being utilized. I don't know, Chad, if you have any favorite um, formats that you've seen that that you think work well for for leaders. Well, in in this you know digital and, and virtual age, I I still think it's really powerful to have it like on a something that you can carry with you. Yeah, a piece of paper or a laminated card that's like this is what I'm supposed to be doing every day, every week. Right. Um. I we have implemented with a client and and done it virtually through like a Microsoft Teams planner. It's a little bit out of sight, out of mind, right? It it, it gets mm -hmm. stuck. It gets stuck is somewhere in my phone, and I I got to pull that up to have the accountability. So I I do like the options that are actually writing it down. I have the tactile accountability of like checking it off. Right. Um, that's what I've personally gravitated toward and seen successful. Uh, but in terms of the format, I, I, you're right. You can Google and you can find a bunch of different formats. Yeah. I think what becomes more interesting for me is like the content of what do we consider leader standard work? Mm -hmm. 
and, and it's not just checking out your performance boards. It's really that that coaching and reinforcing of process. Yeah. Um, so uh, I like the physical format because I think it has accountability and it's portable um, and keeps it in front of mind. Absolutely. Um, now, earlier you you mentioned uh, a couple challenges with you know co- companies, organizations that um, maybe are more heavy on the hard skills or the, the tools than you know maybe uh, the cultural change or the behavior change, things like that. What are some of the other challenges that you see in the world of continuous improvement as you have traveled around to to different companies and worked with you know different organizations and different industries? Um challenges uh well i think one challenge that i've seen is is access and and that sounds uh interesting because it's a noisy marketplace so there's a lot of uh there's a lot of information out there so access and look i'm not going to sit here and and sound elitist and say like right and wrong information but Hmm. understanding where i should go to learn uh having access to that but then on top of that if a lot of this is difficult to learn just from a book. And that might sound self-serving as a consultant, but being able to coach and hold someone accountable is important. So access in terms of cost and, and the right resources to do that is a challenge. So that means you either need to bring someone in-house that that has experience with this, right? Or you need to pay for someone to come at it. So the first one is access, I think, and that can be a challenge, uh, one that I'm interested in trying to resolve here in mm-hmm. Southwest Michigan. Um, the second is kind of this diluted meaning of like you, if you look up lean or six sigma within that, it kind of branches out dramatically in terms of like, what is lean? What is six sigma? And, and I feel like those terms are becoming more of like brand names or marketing terms. Mm-hmm. So, so the breadth of what's offered. So this kind of ties back to the first one of in a noisy marketplace, knowing what to pay attention to, like, what is the answer versus like productized 10 steps to become lean. It can be attractive, but it's it's a challenge for an organization that doesn't really know where to start. Um, so that's kind of the first one. I think is more like knowledge based and then resource based to get that knowledge. Sure. The second is more challenging, I think. And I know you've uh, had some conversations with Bob Emiliani, and so I'm going to use his term of classical management. Mm-hmm. Is like I don't find most organizations like have the desire to change. So if I'm a leader and I came up through a system, I've been promoted up through a system and I'm in the leadership position now, what's my incentive to change the rules of the game? Mm. Because the, the role of leader does pivot in more of a, a lean or continuous improvement type environment to more of that, that coaching and that process confirmation, uh, uh, Socratic questioning, empowering the people versus command and control and make the decisions and you know scold people to work harder i'm being dramatic for effect yeah so i think that's kind of the other challenge uh seeing in the world of continuous improvement of of folks that want to bring it in and maybe see it as a cost lever versus a a fundamental change in the way that they operate and manage their business and i think that second one is is the challenge that's uh i'd also like to work on and i can work on that one organization at a time is actually changing the mindset of like, yeah, this is a different way of running your business. Mm-hmm. But the desire has to be there somewhere in the leadership ranks to say, I want to change the rules of the game. I want to change the system of how we manage our business away from classical to more progressive management types. 
Yeah. Those are some uh, pretty significant challenges, obviously, but uh, very much uh, uh, possible to overcome. Uh, and obviously, you and I both have worked with many companies that are overcoming those challenges. Uh, and and uh, it's always fun to be involved and see those those light bulbs going off, those aha moments, seeing the results come from the companies that are you know really uh, uh, committed to developing a, a true culture of continuous improvement. Uh, and I appreciate everything that you're doing with with the clients that you work with, uh, you know, uh, all over the, the, you know, not I think you, you you're outside of Michigan even right too. you. You work primarily in southwest Michigan, but. Yeah, primarily in southwest Michigan. Yeah, but I have, I have clients that are outside of the region as well. So, yeah. Um, and, and if someone was interested to learn a little bit more about the work that you do at um, at, at Breither uh, Group Consulting, where would they go to find more information about some of the work that you guys do? Uh, so I'm most active on LinkedIn, kind of sharing uh, my thoughts and some uh, real world case studies, reflections on engagements with clients. Um, and then with our website is uh, baritherGroup.com, uh, B-A-R-E-I-T-H-E-R group.com. Um, I've, I've taken the approach that I'm using with clients and, and honed over 15 years of practicing this and, and codifying that into a book. So I'm in final right. manuscript now that's that's going to the editing but i know you've been through this so yeah yeah I, i'm a newbie so i'm like i i did not have a good appreciation for how long that process was after you have words on a page to get it to print so right i'm kind of navigating that right now but my expectation is that'll be published in third quarter oh that's great well we'll have to have you back on the show then uh when that publishes and we'll talk we'll dive into the the, the content of that book and and definitely um, have some good good uh, discussion around that. Uh, but we'll also drop your website into the show notes as well. So if anyone's interested, they can go to the show notes and and click on there and, and uh, get directly to your LinkedIn or to your website and um, send you a message if they want to get any more information. Um, Chad, it's been great to have you on. I'm looking forward to seeing you in August at the Michigan Lean Consortium annual conference up in Traverse City. Uh, looking forward to your presentation there. And uh, obviously, um, you and I are connected now through our our uh, mastermind group that Lean Solution runs for uh, independent consultants. So um, I'm, I'm, I'll see you probably, what do we have, a couple weeks here. We'll be back mm -hmm. together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So again, thanks again for being on the show. Appreciate your time and, and uh, all the great value that you've shared with our listeners. Uh, looking forward to having you back on the show uh, in the fall when, you're, when your book is published. Well, Patrick, I think the pleasure was all mine and would love to come back and talk about it. Perfect. All right. Well, have a good week. Thanks so much for being on. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Lean Solutions Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. If you feel so inclined, please give us a review. Thank you so much.